Bom bom bits, a bowl full of chips. Bom bom bits, with Chappy and Pip. Bom bom bits, two young brothers. Bom bom bits, talking college football. Bom bom bits, and life and humor. And some funny ass clips. So relax and unwind with a bowl full of chips. This crowd grow. I swear y'all don't know what you mean to me. It's been something to see. I remember when we started this week long party. And to think that it's over, it makes me want to spring break down. Just think about all our good times together. Let's go top shelf, Big 12, where the Cowboys, the Cyclones, the Longhorns, and Sooners dwell. That's right. We're going to bring you the bling and the sting from these 10 teams of the heartland this spring. And while we do it, take a bite and chew it. All 10 teams will get through it. Bet, my man, let's get right to it. Yes, sir. We're traveling miles to Lincoln, so I'll let you get to the rules of the podcast uh, before the summer sun (laughs) makes the grass turn brown, Chappie. Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on A Bowl Full of Chips, your podcast coverage for all things college football. We'll go Power 5, Group of 5. Hell, we might even throw in a little Maroon 5. Like the Jackson (laughs) 5, we'll be there, just without the drama and the hitting and the crying. (laughs) We promise to bring you what we see as the most pertinent info, well-researched and thought-out insight, and confident claims backed up by analytics and experience. And while we know you'll be getting what you want, we ask that you help us bring that to others as well. And it doesn't take much. All you got to do is hit that share button and text, tweet, or email our link to those that love college football. We encourage interaction on Twitter as well. I am at champion underscore lit. And I am at BFC BIP. You can also visit our show's page at Bowlful of Chips on Twitter, where you can visit our website for a growing number of resources and bits of information, including lists, rankings, and previews. You can also find links to our previous podcast and our email address, which is bowlfulofchips at gmail.com. So here on A Bowl Full of Chips, we love college football, we love to laugh, and we love lawn care? Well, I know I do anyway. Bip, um, this is the time of year I, I'm about four or five mows into the season, and I just I love the smell of freshly cut grass. I love the look of a freshly cut lawn, especially the patterns in the grass. I hate seeing weeds. I hate seeing bald patches because God knows I got enough on my head. And sometimes I want to go up and pick them up, pick up these weeds and these dandelions. Even as I walk by other people's yards, I get in that frenzy and I kind of get in that uh, eye training and I walk by and I I automatically assume, okay, I see a dandelion. I see a weed. I see something on the sidewalk. It's got to be picked. It's got to be plucked. Um, I do wish I had a riding lawnmower, uh, but then, of course, I would need a bigger lawn. And both of those are on my wait list for the future. So how about you, Bip? What are your thoughts on lawn care? Well, for the listeners who weren't aware of this, Chappie turned 65 last year. Um, <laughs> I, couldn't disagree with, I couldn't disagree with you more, Chappie. I've mowed my lawn so. once so far this year, and <laughs> I wait to it. I wait till it gets to oh, 
probably until my shoe disappears for me to mow it for you know each sequential time but i do and smell this uh, enjoy the smell of grass and i do think a nicely manicured lawn looks really nice but man do i hate doing the yard work to take care of it i don't like the heat I don't like having to pick weeds and I don't like how often weeds and grass grow. So uh, call me a curmudgeon, but I enjoy my weekend of staying inside uh, where the AC can keep the sweat and the uh, sunburn off of me. Um, so I would say this is where we're just about as polar opposite as you can get, Chappie. <laughs> Hey, uh, you might want to check your depends are showing. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, it's okay to agree to disagree. Sometimes they're a bipster. But um, one thing's for sure, though, is, uh, you know, lawns are going to need to be manicured and, and the grounds crews are going to need to start getting that turf nice and ready for college football season, which comes up in right. just about 94 days, I think, is where I saw the countdown is today. So, yep. And. And, it, and I can't wait for it to to continue there, Chappie. Uh, seems like not long ago where we were around the uh, 200 uh, day mark. So vastly uh, yeah, approaching there, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, it is Big 12 Spring Report podcast day, Bipster. So as we've done with the SEC and we've done with the Big 10, our third conference, and we're kind of going in order of what we see as the power conferences this season, and as you pointed out on one of our previous casts, you think that the Big 12 and the Big 10 are real close to one another, almost as they could be interchangeable. So we'll look and see what was going on in the Big 12, compare that to what we saw in the Big 10 a couple weeks ago, and, and maybe make that distinction as we get into a future podcast bit. So we're going to start with you. What's the Big 12 team that's going to kick us off in this round of spring reports? Well, let's go with the Sooner State Chappie and start with Oklahoma. Now, despite having loads of competition in the wide receiver group, um, redshirt senior Lee Morris uh, led the team in their spring game with 79 yards and a touchdown. Now, Morris led the team actually last year with 21.8 yards per catch, which is, which is impressive when you consider the company he was in. Also caught eight touchdowns. So he was someone that looked good in the spring, and he needed to have a big spring to distinguish himself from that highly talented group of wide receivers as Oklahoma had three uh, five-star wide receivers that came in that were all early enrollees, and uh, that that trio of Trajan Bridges, Theo Wees, and Jordan Hazelwood, they also had um, some impressive showings in the spring game. They combined with fellow freshman tight end Austin, Austin Stogner to produce 203 yards on 11 catches and two touchdowns, uh, both of those caught by Wees in the spring game. So the rich get richer in uh, Oklahoma as that wide receiver group is just going to be absolutely loaded this year. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to help out whoever ends up winning the starting job. Assume starter Jalen hurts um, is uh, someone that had a, a pretty solid spring, um, but no official starter has been named yet, but I assume that that might just be the way that Lincoln Riley wanted to run this. So that way nothing's taken for granted. I've heard a lot from um, sources saying that Hertz has shown to be an outstanding leader. I'm really intrigued to see how he does this year because I don't think that he um, is going to be able to come close to the same level that both uh, Kyler Murray and um, why am I blanking uh, on his name? Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Um <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I knew it started with a B. <laughs> yes, this is this is a college football right. podcast, folks. Uh, yes, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to come close as no. a passer. Uh, but Lincoln Riley has shown that you know he can 
turn water into wine um, and, and work some magic with this quarterback. So um, interested to see how he does from a leadership perspective. It sounds like he's fully engaged with that team and he's got that whole locker room behind him. So, um, but turning to the, de- well, let me, let me, let me butt in here ball. for a sec, Bip. I'm um, just talking about, yeah. you know, the guys that you mentioned, I guess the positive in the fact that it took us a, a few seconds to think of Baker Mayfield really goes <laughs> to show how great of a season Kyler Murray had last year. And, and that's exactly. a product of, of Lincoln Riley. I mean, I can't think of any coach who has coached and, and I want to say he's the first ever to coach back to back Heisman trophy winners, um, at the same position, you know, so replacing one guy going to the next, I think that's just a testament to just how good Kyler Murray was last year. Cause we all know that Baker had a great season mm-hmm. in 2017. Right. And, um, it, and it's, I think it goes even a little bit beyond just the system too, because knowing that both of those guys were the number one picks in the draft, despite their yeah. size limitations and having that distinction of being scrambling quarterbacks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like uh, Lincoln Riley really did the best of getting the most amount of talent out of both of those um, highly talented quarterbacks. Yep. And then so speaking to Lee Morris, um, he's kind of a forgotten guy when you look at um, I mean, obviously, CeeDee Lamb is the headliner and then those those trio of talented, talented freshmen, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Morris also was second on the team in or I'm sorry, third on the team in receiving touchdowns with eight of them. So he's no scrub. Um, right. Twenty one catches, like you mentioned, average twenty one point eight yards per catch. And then um, second on the team in yards per catch is a guy that was granted an, an extra year of eligibility, Nick Basquin, um, who's going to add to those numbers this year. So just a, a wealth of talent. You mentioned um, Stogner, that that talented freshman, joining Grant Calcaterra, probably mm-hmm. everybody's All-American first team tight end uh, right. coming into 2019. So, yep, a, a, a wealth of riches on the offensive side for the Sooners. Yep. And on the other side of the ball, the defense is still kind of shrouded in uncertainty and the offense uh, made its fair share of plays, which is kind of to be expected uh, in the spring game. But there wasn't really a a large enough window during the spring to kind of know whether there's marked improvement uh, on the horizon for this defense. We all know how poor that they showed, uh, how poorly they showed last year. Uh, But playing against this talented offense is kind of hard to get a gauge in regards to what kind of strides they may or may not have taken. Uh, but a couple of guys that stood out sophomore uh, Brendan Ridley Hiles and junior linebacker, Brian Mead were both called out for strong performances in the spring game and Oklahoma A&M transfer Leron Stokes uh, had a really good performance along the defensive line. He finished with two, ta- uh, two tackles and half a tackle for loss. Um, another positive for the Sooner defense is they actually forced uh, a couple turnovers in that game. Um, so again, not a lot to speak of defensively for the Sooners, um, as they look kind of shaky at times, but, um, uh, kind of intrigued to see what happens with the new coordinator coming over, um, to see what, what happens for them in 2019. But an interesting side note, the spring game was actually moved from the afternoon to a night game, uh, last second decision by Lincoln Riley, and they still got about 50,000 in attendance and the atmosphere made it feel more to the players like an actual game than just an interleague scrimmage. Interesting and clever move by Lincoln Riley in an effort to better prepare a squad for the upcoming season. Just another one of those things that makes you show or that shows off, you know, his guile and, and his cleverness at, at being a head coach, uh, even at his, uh, such young age, Tappy. Yeah. And I heard that he was trying to make it, trying to give it like that, almost like that rock concert, uh, atmosphere and that feel, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and that seems to be, there's a couple other coaches who are starting to do that too, making it more of a, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, college basketball's midnight madness, uh, where mm-hmm. they really, um, try and, and turn it into a, a marketable thing. And, and yeah, uh, kudos to, 
Coach Riley for for having that foresight and getting that going. And I think that's going to be something that we're going to start to see more and more from other college football coaches, even the the old curmudgeon-y um, lawn mowing uh, coaches <laughs> uh, will, will probably jump on board sooner than later. Yeah, and I could see the, the spring games kind of being akin to how the NFL draft has exploded to where this ends up being a, a really good opportunity for marketing, for recruiting, uh, and to turn this into really a, a big event for all the college football nuts out there like us. Absolutely. Yep. So so let's bring it over to your side, Chappie. Who's, uh, who's up first uh, in your neck of the woods there? Well, we're going to take the, uh, the horns upside down and flip them up and go to Austin, Texas. Um, and take a look at the Cotton Bowl rival Texas Longhorns for uh, team number two. So starting with the offensive side of the ball, um, we all know that Sam Ellinger is, in some people's minds, a Heisman top three, um, uh, an All-American for many people. But uh, a guy that really flashed some brilliance in the spring this season was Casey Thompson, who is one of the few remaining quarterbacks that that stayed. Um, Shane Bouchel, who right. was last year's backup, transferred out to SMU. And Cameron Rising, who was considered to be neck and neck with Thompson as the third string guy, transferred out to Utah. Um, and Thompson is progressing nicely. He's, he's shown to be pretty accurate. He showed really good feet. Don't be surprised to see certain packages designed for his skills to give Ellinger a bit of security. You know, um, Ellinger is kind of one of those guys who – is going to play with his hair on fire and you're going to have to take the the kerosene and the matches away from him. Um, and so I think that this might be a situation where if I'm uh, Tom Herman, I'm going to have, you know, packages where, you know, maybe you keep Ellinger on the field, maybe you take him out and, and everybody knows that Thompson is going to be kind of that wildcat quarterback. But like I said, he, he does throw a pretty accurate ball. So he does give you a good change of pace. If you want to, um, you know, preserve Ellinger a little bit, obviously he's the go-to guy. Uh, but Thompson has shown some good things, not just for this year, but for the future as well, post-Ellinger. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at running back, Keontae Ingram has bulked up, and, and that's really been the big question mark for the Texas offense going into 2019 is who's going to take over the run game. But if you ask me, Trey Watson last year wasn't a game changer, and, and Ingram showed flashes as a true freshman. Um, he had some grit in addition to his gait, so you know speed and also that, that bulk and that power as well. Freshman running back slash wide receiver, really an athlete. Jordan Whittington looks to be the backup running back and should get some cracks at the lineup. Um, look at him being one of those new hybrid offensive players where, you know, he could line up at quarterback. He could play running back receiver. He'll line up in the slot. Um, and also at the running back position, um, as of a week ago, Texas was courting Clemson transfer portal enrollee Tavian Feaster. So if they can mm. add him to that backfield, he and Ingram, along with Whittington, that freshman, are going to make a, a great trio. But even without Feaster, I think that the running back room looks a lot better than it did at the end of last season. Um, at wide receiver, Malcolm Epps is a big target, six foot six. He's been praised for some of his big plays this spring and figures to be more of a player this season on the offense. Of course, there's highly touted freshman Brew McCoy, um, who is slowly picking up the playbook, but it's starting to pick up speed. I wouldn't expect fireworks right away, but um, he's going to gain some heat as the season wears on. And by the time November rolls around, you can expect to see McCoy maybe as that um, number three or number four uh, option for that Texas offense out at wide receiver. But a guy that nobody's really talked about yet that is really starting to pick up steam, and I think you're going to know him right away, is Arizona Gatorade Player of the Year, Jake Smith. Now, here's a guy who, a little bit diminutive in stature, but um, has great hands, um, very quick, very elusive. He's a guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of... um, uh, uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. This is, this is not a good podcast <laughs> for names today, Bip. I get, oh, Shipley, Jordan Shipley. Um, okay. And then his brother as well, and I can't remember his name, but uh, Jackson. nonetheless, Jackson. Okay, so both of those guys who were that kind of uh, that go-to speedy but possession-type receiver for the Horns. Mm-hmm. Um, so look out for, for Jake Smith. Drops, though, were a big concern in the spring game for the wide receivers, although Tom Herman has praised how well the, um, the, the offense has been throwing and completing the deep balls this spring, and that's a testament to those quarterbacks. Um, due to position switches, tight end Bryden Liebrook, um, who's a good pass-catching tight end from Arizona, um, is is somebody who's getting a look. He played in the Under Armour All-American game, um, and and we know that uh, that tight end is kind of that deceptive weapon in, in many offenses in today's spread game. Um, offensive lineman Samuel Cosme and graduate transfer Parker Braun, who comes over from Georgia Tech, um, look to fill the voids on the offensive line, while right tackle Denzel Okafor and right guard Derek Kerstetter have been working well on the right side of that line, which is where they need to kind of replace a little bit. So like I mentioned, running back and offensive line, a little bit of a question mark for the Texas offense coming into 2019, but it seems like those things are getting shored up um, and really uh, a step forward in the spring as opposed to staying stagnant or a step back. Uh, Any thoughts on the offense before we switch over to D-Bip? Yeah, I I was going to mention kind of the same things you did. Uh, Ingram kind of impressed me with his potential playmaking ability last year. Actually was a pretty decent receiver as well, Mm -hmm. uh, adding 27 catches. I think he pairs up nicely with Whittington potentially, depending on whether he can hit the ground running. And that Tavian Feaster note is really interesting to note to see if the Longhorns can bring him in. Uh, Also, keeping an an ear close to the ground to see if Brew McCoy will be eligible this year is as far as I know, uh, they haven't decided on his eligibility or his, his waiver um, okay. uh, as of yet, but I yeah. uh, could be wrong on that. Um, but if, if they get him in, then that adds, obviously, a, a really dynamic uh, option for Ellinger and that uh, Longhorn offense. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I know that there's a lot of money in Austin. Oh, yeah. And... Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, <laughs> All yeah. right, well, switching over to the defensive side, linebacker <laughs> is a concern, especially since um, incoming freshman DeGabriel Floyd has been diagnosed with spinal stenosis. Now, he hasn't officially declared, you know, stepping down from football or retirement, but I know, um, you know, Jeremy Larkin, who was a running back for my Northwestern Wildcats, basically had to step away from the game because when you've mm-hmm. got that spinal stenosis or that cervical stenosis, you're basically one hit away from potential paralysis or even worse. So yep. um, I'm hoping that Floyd makes the right decision. Granted that he has been given, you know, proper medical advice. Um, but they did recently pick up a, a talented Juco star, a four-star guy from Butler community college, which is one of those hotbeds in the Juco community originally committed to Minnesota looks to be ready to plug and play this year and help at that linebacker position. Um, you know, they, they do bring back hybrid safety linebacker Jeffrey McCullough, um, you know, bandit linebacker Joseph Osai. So, um, and also I, I do like middle linebacker Adele Adeo, um, but still there's there's some inexperience there. And they were looking at Floyd as being somebody who could step in and play right away. Well, now Mitchell hopefully can step in. And so, you know, one that got away from P.J. Fleck out there in the land of a thousand lakes, but um, Longhorn fans hoping that he can uh, pick up nicely for them. Um, in the secondary, uh, Deshaun Jameson is really turning heads at corner. Now he played wide receiver last year, also was a, a return specialist in special teams. He's blazed his way into a starting spot at corner, possibly replacing the injured Anthony Cook, who was a, uh, part-time starter last year. Sophomore Jalen Green has also impressed, um, the most and has looked to have earned the 
spot opposite Jamison. Um, so what this means is Texas has really three or four guys with some experience or at least with flashes of greatness this spring and, and also last season. So, you know, it's always good when you've got that much competition. So when you've got a starter from last year who loses his spot, you're assuming anyway that that's because of healthy competition and, and the depth at that position. Um, they say that Green makes good reads and reactions. Also a name to look out for, Kobe Boyce, shows that uh, he'll provide some depth at that safety or at that corner spot. The same can't be said about safety as the top three guys that they have coming back, headlined by um, Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns, who was a freshman All-American last year. They've been hampered by injury and held out this spring. All reports are leading that they will be healthy come uh, fall time. But again, um, not a lot of uh, positive things coming from those replacements at safety this spring. So that's a, a depth issue they're going to need, need to iron out. And then real quick on special teams bit, Michael Dicker, the kicker, um, showed consistency <laughs> and range hitting well beyond 50 yards several times this spring. So I'm going to put his name in there um, as a Groza Award watch guy. Um, I also called out Daniel Carlson, or I'm sorry, Anders Carlson for Auburn. These two guys are probably going to be neck and neck within the top five for that award for the top place kicker at the end of the season. Yeah, and I know that Longhorn fans have long awaited uh, to see what will come about with Jeffrey McCullough throughout his, his entire career. He was one of the more highly touted, highly touted linebackers um, from the, the class of 2015 or 2016, whatever it was. So now that he's uh, potentially going to be thrust into the starting lineup, how does he fare um, under those circumstances? And then that uh, secondary, I'm really curious of, uh, is like you mentioned, it's it's really young, uh, but extremely talented, especially with everyone that they got from last year's recruiting class. Caden Stearns, obviously being the leader of that group, but also getting a couple other uh uh, two or three others that were amongst the uh, top five, top 10 at that position. So how does that uh, round out their depth um, and can they uh, grow into that starting role and uh, provide some uh, talent on the back end there for the, the Longhorn defense, Chappie? Yep. And, you know, as many people will assume, they'll be going neck and neck with Oklahoma and really the winner of that uh, Red River rivalry game is going to have essentially a two game lead on the big 12 race provided that nobody else comes in and trips either of them up, but maybe we'll, uh, we'll get to that later in this cast. So let's go over to team number three, Bip back to your side. Well, Chappie, we're going to stay in the state of Oklahoma and I'm going to go with the Oklahoma state Cowboys. And uh, the, the name that was said most often was uh, CJ Moore. Um, sophomore redshirt uh freshman receiver who had a really really good spring and was maybe the mvp of their spring game mm -hmm. he's reportedly put on about 30 pounds from last year and at 6'5 he's a big target that mike gundy has said still isn't ready for 55 to 60 plays per game but he's someone to look out for this year for sure um as he seems like he's taken um his role and and run with it for sure the quarterback competition between redshirt freshman spencer sanders and uh senior drew brown who is a transfer from hawaii didn't provide much clarity on the leader of the pack uh, throughout spring as reports on them range from solid to careless at different times throughout hmm. the spring. But by all accounts, the two improved from the beginning of the spring to the end. Uh, Brown, the grad transfer, um, has a better deep ball and a slightly more accurate, but Sanders was uh, the highly touted recruit from last year and is the more dynamic playmaker. So um, Drew Brown started with the ones, so take that for what you will, but that could have been for any number of reasons. It doesn't appear as though either had an edge going into or coming out of the spring game. So um, something to look out for for the Cowboys is who comes 
away with that uh, starting quarterback spot? And how do they function this year at quarterback after losing uh, Mike Yursich, their offensive coordinator, to Mm -hmm. Ohio State? Um, So we all know that uh, they have uh, Tylon Smoochie-Wallace to throw to. Uh, (laughs) Potentially, uh, C.J. Moore could be breaking out this year. So uh, whichever quarterback does win that competition – Really curious to see how they fare this year This year in that uh, Gundy offense. Well, and not um, to mention that, but also um, Wallace's bud, Dylan Stoner, who's uh, going to be, you know, looking to find a lot of green this, this fall. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, he was second on the team last year, or I'm sorry, third on the team with 48 catches, um, 12.6 per right. catch. So, you know, he's a possession guy, only two touchdowns, but I see a bigger role for him, especially if they can get the emergence of the guy you mentioned, CJ Moore, who there was a lot of buzz around. Um, and also Jelani Woods, a redshirt freshman, uh, last year, um, looks to be, you know, much improved and, um, playing that cowboy receiver type. Uh, he's a bigger guy. So I think that they they do have a, a lot of good depth at that wide receiver position. So if they can get that quarterback play solidified, um, this is going to be another high-flying offense for Gundy. And also, um, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but I know that they brought in um, an offensive guy from P- uh, Princeton who was averaging, I think, around 48 points per game last year, 45 the year before. So they're not going to be lacking for offensive productivity or, or yardage or point totals this right. season. Yep. Um, and helping them, uh, whichever quarterback does uh, win the competition, is an offensive line that stood out through and throughout the entire spring. Gundy called the pass blocking awesome, uh, in quotes. Oh. Um, and new offensive line coach Charlie Dickey looks to be doing some really good things in Stillwater. So should be helping out Chuba Hubbard and whoever comes out on top in that quarterback competition. Um, defensively, not uh, too much to go around uh, for the Cowboys, although their pass rush was described as aggressive. Uh, like I mentioned, that offensive line looked pretty good in that uh, spring game and and really protected the quarterback. Uh, but defensive back A.J. Green was talked about by just about everyone as he was responsible for most of their interceptions and looks to have a huge year for the Cowboys. Yeah, and he um, he's somebody who's already on my early list for the um, Thorpe Award. I mean, that guy... He can cover. He was their leader in pass breakups last year. Um, just a physical corner. I mean, to me, he already looks like an NFL type uh, CB on the outside there. So I'm, I'm expecting big things from him. And even on the other side, Rodarius Williams, I think that they make up maybe one of the best corner pairs in the Big 12, Bip. So yeah, anxious to see what goes yeah, on and, there. And that secondary is going to need a cover because uh, Jordan Brailford and Jarrell Owens uh, leaving the team leaves them a little bit exposed in the pass rush. So we'll see what they get uh, coming out of spring and headed into fall. Yep, yep, for sure. Well, that does it for the Cowboys. Chappie, take us back to you for your next team. All right, well, we'll go with uh, a kind of a cowboy, the Red Raiders out in Lubbock, Texas. So um, Mm -hmm. new head coach, Matt Wells, and then two new coordinators obviously coming with him, David Yosta a pretty highly regarded offensive mind uh, following him from Utah State. And then Keith Patterson is going to be their new defensive coordinator. The offense seemed to be a bit sluggish this spring, but it's expected as they adapt to uh, David Yost's playbook. Um, The first year we might expect from the Red Raiders a little bit more marching down the field than Kingsbury's wide open um, pass happy attack downfield, or at least that's what they want you to see right now in the spring. Obviously uh, Matt Wells is, is wanting to not only establish things, but he's not going to, put all his cards out on the table um, in his first spring ball out in Lubbock. So it was very vanilla and very reserved in the spring in terms of, you know, reports on what was going on with the offense. 
Last year's freshman sensation, Alan Bowman at quarterback has taken most of the first team snaps, but um, backup Jet Duffy, who kind of came in and, and filled in for the second half of the season when Bowman went down with injury. And keep in mind, Bowman was their second string quarterback. Duffy was their third string quarterback. Both played pretty well. But keep an eye out for Colt Garrett, which in my mind is one of the coolest names for a quarterback from Texas. Um, exactly. He really did well in the spring. And it's not to say that he's going to upseat Bowman or Duffy, but you know I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. And that's really one of the things that you get with a new coaching staff is everybody is literally um, on the same playing field. And I know that you mentioned earlier with Oklahoma that Lincoln Riley is not going to name a starter, but that seems to be the the norm for any college coach nowadays is, yeah. you know, everybody's competing for a spot, but, you know, behind closed doors, you know that in their minds and maybe even on paper, they've got their depth chart written down. Um, so I think it's going to mm-hmm. be Bowman at one, Duffy at two, and Garrett at three. But again, as we learned, as the Red Raiders learned in the opener against Ole Miss last year, you're one play away from going down the depth chart. So um, at running back to John Henry and Sir Roderick Thompson had the best spring games at that position. Um, and we know that Wells does like to split time with his running backs last year, Darwin Thompson and, um, Gerald bright, both almost, uh, rushed for a thousand yards each. I think bright was at 800 or so, but both of them had very high yards per carry averages. So it'll be interesting to see if they can reproduce that with these two backs um, they also bring in Utah transfer Armand Shine, who's a grad transfer and will be eligible to play right away. Um, he brings a little bit more pop and power to that running back position. So um, we'll we'll see who kind of emerges between those previous two and then um, what Shine's role will be as well. We talked about McLean Mannix a couple podcasts ago, a Nevada transfer. He's been ruled eligible this season. Again, a freshman All-American two seasons ago. Um, He's got good hands, runs good routes. I think he's going to give the Red Raiders a fluid option at wide receiver and expect his name to be in, you know, second or third team, all big 12, given what Yost and his offense can do. Um, They also bring in a transfer from the University of Louisiana Monroe, R.J. Turner, who gives him a little bit taller of a target, but uh, not a lot of production at ULM last season. Of course, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that parlays into the new offensive scheme that he's going to be in. Um, On the offensive line, or I'm sorry, also wide receiver, redshirt freshman Eric Ezukanma, um, a 6'3", 180-pound redshirt freshman, has turned some heads with his play. He led the receivers with 114 receiving yards in the spring game and should be a reliable target as he's shown a lot of, quote, good hands plays. Um, So looking to be that possession-type receiver for for the, the men in Lubbock. And then tight end Justin Kuntz, who is the number two Juco tight end coming into this class, should be a good addition, but also keep an eye out for freshman tight end early enrollee Simon Gonzalez, who got some good work this spring as injuries and departures have left that tight end position a little bit thin. Any any thoughts on offense before we switch, Bip? Well, I'm curious to see with the new offense coming in, what kind of running game are the, are the Red Raiders going to get? As last year, Jet Duffy, yes, the quarterback, Jet Duffy, led the team in rushing. Um, and the highest, uh, rushing total from a running back, uh, it's actually tied first place at only 341 yards. So yeah. how do they utilize that running back position? We know that they have some good receivers on, on, um, on tap and Alan Bowman was really impressive as a freshman last year, but what, what kind of running game can we expect this year with, uh, the, with Matt Wells and the new coaching staff in place? Yep, and I'm going to just mention it one more time. Uh, I think this wide receiver group is going to be maybe one of the more underrated groups, not only in the Big 12, but maybe in in that portion of the country. Um, yeah. T.J. Vasher, 
um, you know, had had a pretty productive season last year, and and he's been told to, you know, coaches have said watch out for this guy. We mentioned Ezukama, um, Mannix, but also Seth Collins, Kashawn Carter, uh, all guys who had experience last year. I mean, I know they lost Antoine Wesley and um, JD on high, but um, you know, the guys that they're bringing in, and again with this scheme, this system, I think that you're going to see good productivity from the outside group. Yeah. On the defensive side, um, the defense actually impressed, and, and maybe part of that is a byproduct of the vanilla slow progression from this offense as they're uh, building that scheme. But new defensive Keith, uh, defensive coordinator Keith Patterson said that he was very happy with how his defense performed, particularly tackling well, especially in space. And, of course, that's what you're going to need to do, especially in this Big 12 conference, where you're going to see a lot of offenses that are going to try and light up the green outside. Starting up front, defensive lineman Broderick Washington played well. Um, fellow defensive lineman Nelson um, Banasor had two sacks in the spring game. Overall, the defense had five sacks and eight tackles for loss in that spring game. So some questions were answered um, in that final scrimmage, but there's still a lot of things to work on, particularly getting a consistent pass rush out of this front. Um, they do return a good amount of experience from last year's team, um, but again, it's a question of was it, is it quality experience or is it just guys who happen to still yeah. be on the roster? Um, in the secondary, junior defensive back Trey Gentry, as well as senior Doug Coleman III and sophomore Adrian Fry all look good. Now, Fry was one of the nation's leaders in interceptions last year. Um, so he comes back with a lot of high hopes and a lot of high expectations. So five picks, but 13 pass breakups as a true freshman a season ago. Um so that group played well together. They're also going to be adding in Penn State transfer junior Zek McPherson. So um, there's reason to believe that this secondary is going to have a, a pretty good output. Um, but again, it's going to be dependent on the play of that defensive front, especially that front seven, because, you know, they lose their two top linebackers, Dakota Allen and Tony Jones from a season ago. So as defense uh, seems to prove, if you get good play from your front four or your front seven, the back end's going to be okay. And fortunately for the, the Red Raiders, the back end is going to be their strength this season. So that's that's all I got from Lubbock, Bip. Yeah, and um, their, their secondary is one that I'm going to look out for as well because like you mentioned, they do return a lot, including their top five uh, leaders in passes defended, and that doesn't even include uh, mentioning Vontae Dorsey, who finished the year with four picks last year. So a lot coming back on that secondary. But like you said, you know, is it quality uh, experience returning or is it just experience returning? So something to keep an eye out for. But also, as you mentioned, that front seven really needs to improve as their top uh, defensive lineman in, in as far as sacks were concerned last year was three and a half uh, from Eli Howard. So yeah. they're going to need to find something um, and, and get the pass rush going um, to uh, help out that secondary for sure. So, well, Chappie, taking it back from Lubbock, we'll go over to uh, West Virginia. Or I'm sorry, uh, getting ahead of myself here. We're going to go to the country road. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to go to Ames, Iowa for Iowa State. And Coach Matt Campbell's number one takeaway for the Cyclones was that the offensive line showed tremendous growth. Now, they will start four seniors, and they returned 63 out of uh, 65 starts from last year. So improvement was expected. Um, In addition to the starters, the Cyclones showed that they have great depth and multiple competitive battles along the offensive line. So something to look forward to for Iowa State to keep uh, the the running game going and to keep their quarterback upright. And uh, Tom Manning actually returns to... Uh, the Cyclones as offensive coordinator after one season as tight ends coach for the Indianapolis Colts. 
uh, he has lots excited about uh, his work with Brock Purdy. The continued improvement, uh, or the the continued improvement uh, he's shown in the in the spring. Purdy, that is. Um, his first set of spring practices, as he wasn't in for the spring last year, has lots uh, of Cyclone fans feeling as though he could take the next step and become even more effective this year than his incredibly efficient freshman season. So good news for uh, the Cyclones there. Um, if, if there were two biggest areas of concern for Iowa State, uh, one of them would be on the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver. They're top two are pretty set but there's questions that are abound entering uh the spring and actually coming out of the spring as well but uh sean shaw joseph skates and landon acres all showed progress so um as they get into the summer and heading into fall practices they could have their three four five rounded out with those guys um the second area of concern would be on the defensive side of the ball and that's at defensive back uh anthony johnson and Daytron Young are said to be to excite coaches with their ability, but they only have a combined seven starts. Um, they also add Rice grad uh, transfer Justin Bickham, but he doesn't arrive until June. So like the wide receivers, they have potential, but uh, not much proven at each position. So um, that uh, couple areas of concern for the Cyclones as they as they exit spring um, and running back is kind of similar to defensive back and wide receiver in regards to replacing last year's starters, but can't uh, coach Matt Campbell feels much more excited um, exiting spring about this, this position in particular, uh, Kini in Guangu. And I'm sure I butchered, butchered that one, but uh, Sheldon, yep. Yep. <laughs> Sheldon Crony and Johnny Lang, as well as uh, Brees Hall were all mentioned by the coaches and should help make up for the loss of all big 12 uh, running back David Montgomery to the draft. Um, and uh, Jiralee Brock, a four-star running back recruit also adds to the mix in June as a true freshman. So we could have a nice collection of running backs uh, there in tote for uh, the Cyclones this year, starting in the fall. Um Another guy that uh, has excited coaches is Will McDonald. And uh, even if he doesn't start this season with the first string, this is a guy that was recruited as a defensive end. The coaches have officially moved him to linebacker and Cyclone Nation, as well as the coaches, are really hoping that he can make up for the loss of Willie Harvey. Uh, Matt Campbell said that he's a difference maker and uh, is, is really a special football player. He's had a great spring. And if he can take to the position and continue to improve in the summer, Folks and names may hear his name called often in 2019, Chappie. Yeah, um, I, I, I've heard of that as well. And, you know, one thing's for sure, that front seven for the Cyclones is going to be really, really good. Jaquan Bailey, um, uh, Aioma, and I, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, um, Owazarike <laughs> um, at the defensive ends along with Matt Leo. Ray Lima, Jamal Johnson, and then their linebackers, Mike Rose, who I really, really like as a true freshman last year, Marshall Spears mm -hmm. and Jake Hummel. Um, that's going to be one of the top front sevens. And like you said, it's going to be um, interesting to see what kind of play that they get, especially from their corners, losing their top two corners from a season ago. Johnson and Young, are they going to fill in nicely? They've got one of the best safeties in the country in Greg Eisworth um, and one of the best hitters, one of the best pure tacklers in the game. Um so I'm really interested to see how Jim Haycock's defense plays in really year two. I'm going to call last year year one because we, we saw a rise and an emergence on that defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that running back committee uh, performs. I think Nwangwu gives them a home run hitter at, at that running back spot. He was also um, you know, a pretty good receiver out of the backfield last year. 
But I, I'm interested to see how well Jareel Brock can step in as well as uh, freshman enrollee Brees Hall, who you mentioned. Um, I think that might be a three or four running back committee until someone emerges. And, um, you know, as we touched on last podcast, they add to the re- the receiver room, LaMichael Petway, who officially um, mm-hmm. is is enrolled now, I believe, or is, is set to enroll at that wide receiver spot. He led the Arkansas Razorbacks in receiving last year which is saying something because he played in a Chad Morris offense. So you know that he got plenty of touches. Um, you know that he was uh, skilled in in running routes and, and and being effective in the downfield game. So adding that to this offense, I so badly want to pick Iowa State to be um, kind of that sleeper team this year and emerge and maybe upseat the Oklahoma Sooners. But I also have big reservations. It seems like they're one of those teams, kind of like West Virginia last year, who mm-hmm. you could see every aspect saying, Definitely, they're the team that's going to buck the trend, or you could easily see them pull a West Virginia and say, okay, they just couldn't win those couple games that they needed to, even if they're close, you know? So this could easily be a 10-win team that would still be a disappointment because a lot of Cyclone fans are saying, this is our year, this is our year. Yeah, you know how much that I like uh, Brock Purdy, but looking at that group of receivers, replacing Akeem Butler is going to be a tough, tough task. Yep. And they just don't have a whole lot proven behind him. Getting uh, Petway is certainly going to help. And they have some some decent talent along that group. But uh, I just wonder with having to replace both uh, Montgomery and Butler, what's that offense look like? Because I don't have many questions about that defense going into next year. Can you imagine if both of those juniors stayed for a senior year? I mean, this would be a top 10 (laughs) Iowa State team, no joke. Yeah, people would be losing their minds in Ames, that's for sure. (laughs) Right. Um, And in Iowa City, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, let's go down to Fort Worth, Texas and take a look at the three letter horn frogs, the TCU purple boys down there. So big problem in Fort Worth this spring was a lot of injuries that they had to deal with so much that they really canceled the final scrimmage. And Gary Patterson says, quote, we have a long ways to go, but I got to ask Bip, is that maybe a little smoke and mirrors from the wise old ball coach, um, we know that Patterson yeah. is a guy that um, he knows how to coach, and if anybody can make the most out of the talent that he has and replace guys, it's Gary Patterson. So I'm not sure that I'm buying that that smoke and mirror. No, and that could be similar to how Oklahoma doesn't have a quote-unquote starting quarterback or how yeah. other, other teams don't have a leader of the pack for certain positions. I think you're right, Jeffy. Right. So um, this might be the deepest quarterback room in the country. So listen to all these transfers that they have in their quarterback room eligible to play this year. Alex Delton comes over from Kansas State. Matthew Downing over from Georgia. Matthew Baldwin recently from Ohio State. Michael Collins, who played on the team last year, transferred in from Penn. And you add in redshirt freshman Justin Rogers, who is a four-star recruit, and freshman Max Dugan, who's another four-star recruit out of the state of Iowa. Um... So you're looking at really six guys there that any one of them theoretically could be the starter. Obviously, the 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 money goes with Justin Rogers or Max Dugan, and now Matthew Baldwin is said to be a player in that race. Um, and it kind of makes me feel bad for guys like Alex Delton and Matthew Downing and Michael Collins, who all transferred in, and now they're like, well, shoot, everybody <laughs> and their brother is coming here. So right. um, is that is that portal still open? Yeah. Um, Uh, Rodgers and Dugan both seem equal right now as Dugan was in for the spring. Patterson, um, Coach Patterson worried that Rodgers might be doing too much 
or in other words, more than what his knee is ready for yet. So he's coming off of knee surgery and he's got kind of that special condition where his knee can buckle almost at any point. Um, but Patterson says that he does like that. He's fearless and he's almost too fearless. He says, quote, we almost need to bring his confidence level down in that regard. So, um, you know, you like to see that out of a quarterback, but at the same time, when you're that close to potential re-injury, you do want to keep uh, the perspective of your team uh, in check there. Yeah, he might want to dial down the have-to that's in him. <laughs> that's right. Uh, go and talk to, to Mr. Busey there. Um, <laughs> they'll have two good running backs to help him settle. Oh, wait, maybe not. Maybe just one. So Darius Anderson was a big home run hitter last year, and Sewell Alanalua uh, who squatted over 700 pounds this offseason, is certainly going to have a lot of weight that he's going to need to get off his chest as he was recently arrested on felony drug charges. So there's a potential that they might be without him for some time. And depending on you know what, what turns out in all this, he may be gone for the season. Of course, that's speculation. You hope that things work out in his favor, and maybe it's a misunderstanding, but certainly not good news out of that running back room for, for the Horned Frogs. Yeah. Um, switching over to the defensive side, um, they were looking for two new defensive ends to step up, and so far it's been O'Shawn Mathis and Brandon Bowen. Uh, but keep in mind, they also get South Carolina transfer Shamik Blackshear, who's coming in this summer um, from Columbia, South Carolina. At the linebacker position, Montreal Wilson has battled injuries most of his career. He's really only played in one game last year, but he seems to be healthy and has taken most of the snaps at that middle linebacker spot opposite Garrett Wallow. Now, of course, Coach Patterson is famous for his 4-2-5 defense. He's really the one that patented it. Um, and, um, and so they'll go with those two backers. Demorion Holmes comes in as a freshman who's listed as a safety, but coaches say that he's made the transition to middle linebacker and will also play at safety. So he's kind of listed as a fifth or sixth defensive back at that outside safety spot, but also can step in at that backup middle linebacker position as well. So a versatile guy coming in. And uh, Patterson, we know, has, has gotten better and better recruits every year. He's getting to the point now where TCU is bringing in some of these four-star recruits somewhat regularly. Um in the secondary, cornerbacks Jeff Gladney and Keenan Reed did well as well as Noah Daniels. Look for Gladney to be an all-Big 12-type corner at his spot. Senior weak safety Vernon Scott has had an impressive spring, which included an interception in that spring game. But his competition is Ardarius Washington, who's made more plays and is a little bit more physical than uh, Scott is right now. And, of course, we know that Patterson prefers the phys physicality over somebody who can flash you with some speed. Um, Scott being a little bit smaller than Washington, consider Washington one of those linebackers who, uh, you know, plays at a safety position in a safety's body. Trevor Mooring also got some good snaps at uh, safety this spring. And then LeKendrick Van Zant has also been impressive, taking the number one snaps at strong safety and also, again, at the number two spot at middle linebacker. Looks to be a nickel player at the start of that season. Um, so... You know, looking at, at some of those guys to watch out for, I mentioned Mathis. I really think that Blackshear is going to be a guy who's going to come in and step in as a starting defensive end, but Brandon Bowen will give them some good depth at that third spot. Um, Parker Workman is a guy, a Juco transfer, that everybody's saying to watch out for. Now, I don't believe he was in for the spring, but he's one of those typical Texas-looking linebackers. He's got the long, flowing red hair. Um, he's got freckles all over his face. Just looks like a guy who just shows up to work and um, – is going to give you a pretty badass linebacker out in Fort Worth. And you know that if there's any defensive-minded coach that's going to whip his linebackers into shape, it's going to be Gary Patterson. Um, you know, question for me is, like I said, at that running back spot on offense and um, also at wide receiver. Now, Jalen Rieger and Tay Barber are going to be two 
real quick guys on the outside, but they have to replace Cavante Turpin, who really should still be with the team, but he got into some trouble. Um, Jarrison Stewart and Jalen Austin are also gone from last year. They do return Trevante Heights um, and Aldantre Davis, as well as Artavius Lynn at the uh, tight end spot. But my question is, is this going to be enough weapons on the outside for that new quarterback? And if they don't have the the running game to support him, even though they have one of the better offensive lines in the Big 12, um, this new quarterback's going to need some help from the outside and also behind him at that running back spot. Pip. Yeah, and Trevante Heights is, is someone that's interesting to take a look at his stats as he's never averaged fewer than 30.3 yards per catch. Now, he only had one catch in 2016 and 2017 uh, each and four catches last year. So is this the year that he breaks out? Because he seems like he's got big playability, but he's obviously never been able to break through. Um, defensively, I'm looking for uh, to see what – what does uh, Corey Bethley do this year? Is he had five sacks mm-hmm. last year as a defensive tackle, and they have to replace their two top sack guys in Ben Bonogu and LJ Collier. Um, defensively, uh, or in the defensive backfield, uh, Jeff Gladney returns with 13 passes defended. Um, so, again, Gary Patterson always has his defenses ready to go. But similarly to you, whoever wins that quarterback job uh, has to get provide them with uh, better production mm-hmm. than what they got last year. And with the, the issues that they have with uh, losing some uh, talent at receiver and then the uh, legal troubles um, at running back, you have to wonder, is this offense going to be similar to last year or are they going to see um, marked improvement to be uh, kind of what they were in 2016, 2017? Yep. And, and I do want to point out that they bring in a four-star recruit, DeMarque Foster. I think he's in uh, coming and enrolling in the summertime, but you know that's a name to look out for. He's a four-star guy to add some depth to that uh, running back uh, room. And then there's also Amari DeMercado and Kennedy Snell. But again, both of those guys are really more just names at the moment, as opposed to somebody that can um, provide that, that quality depth at this point, Bip. Right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's actually go to West Virginia this time, Chappie. All and, right. Um, I'm going to start off. I'm going to take it. Start off with the defense. Now, the defensive line was said to have had the best day of any unit uh, on the entire team for their spring game. So listen to these these numbers. The defense as a whole held the running backs to only 70 yards on 39 carries. For those of you keeping score at home, that's 1.79 yards per carry. So just an outstanding effort by that defense. They also recorded six sacks on the afternoon. So the starters were impressive, but even more encouraging were depth players like uh, Brennan Thrift and uh, Jeffrey Pooler. Uh, but above all, the the defensive line, um, or but above all, along the defensive line, sorry, uh, was Stone Wolfley as he had two sacks and an additional solo tackle and was someone that the coaches uh, were raving about after the game was was finished. So um, adding to that, the line you, you have is, no option but to be good when with a name like Stone Wolfley Stone playing Wol- defense. <laughs> that's right. You damn well better be good because otherwise that's just a waste of a name. <laughs> The uh, the linebacker group that they have coming this year is deep and talented, and they uh, reports around uh, West Virginia are said that they might not miss uh, David Long as he leaves uh, from the team last year, mm. potentially um, because guys like uh, Josh Chandler, Shea Campbell, uh, Zach Sandwich, Dylan Tonkery, and Bama transfer Vandarius Cowan were all mentioned as as having. Uh, come on really strong this spring and potentially giving this defense a, a real shot in the arm. And that doesn't even mention uh, X-Ray Lowe, who is expected to fill in for the depart of David Long and has been discussed as someone who does a lot of the things that Long did really well for the Mountaineers last year and years past. 
Um, adding to that on the defensive side, Josh Norwood and Keith Washington were said to have had really strong springs and they're expected to lead the secondary this year. And they also have one of the better defensive minds in Vic Koenig um, as their defensive coordinator. Um, I really like what he does. He's following Neil Brown over from Troy. I think that's a, a big step up for West Virginia. And man, this team takes the cake for best names in, in college football. Sandwich, um, X-Ray, uh, Stone Wolfley. Gotta love it. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of caning, uh, that was said to be one of the, the big reasons as to why the offense kind of struggled so much in the spring game. But from what I was uh, reading and, and hearing, he didn't even throw out all of his, uh, you know, his, his bag of tricks sure. uh, against the offense. So that that's what could be scary for Big 12 foes this year. So speaking of the offense, um, although the offensive line appeared to have been supremely outmatched in the spring game, uh, Coach Neil Brown stated that they looked much better in the run game earlier in the week than that spring game would have shown. Um, like I mentioned, the confusing looks and the movement that the defense was said to have uh, used all game may have contributed to the poor showing of the offensive line. Uh, but I think as they see that that kind of stuff more and more throughout practices as spring wrap, wrapped up and then going into the fall, that should better prepare this uh, offensive line for what they might see in the regular season in 2019. Um, and along the offensive line, there's a lot of talent that, uh, the coaches are, are really excited for, uh, mm -hmm. guard Josh Sills and tackle Colin, uh, McKivitz were mentioned specifically by Neil Brown as being quote, the bright spots of the offensive line. And they also have, um, someone that could be a starter this year, 355 pound guard, uh, Michael Brown, who is still kind of learning the game of football. So just a, a mammoth of a man playing mm -hmm. at the guard position could be one of those real road graders that, uh, uh, West Virginia could take advantage of this year. Now the quarterback position, um, Austin Kendall that. comes in from, uh, Oklahoma and he's the assumed starter. Uh, he was seven to 12 for 154 yards. Um, but two of his passes combined for a hundred of those yards. So there wasn't much, uh, in the way of an intermediate passing game. And that was kind of explained by Neil Brown in the fact that he is, uh, his, his offensive philosophy is to, take shots downfield early and often and uh you know kind of uh the more shots that you take the more opportunities that you have of those big gains so that's something that uh i'll be intrigued to see um for from west virginia coming into this year is um how many how many times do they do they look to the middle of the field because the the spring game showed that they would take their shots downfield and then they would rely on some short dink and dunks or some uh some uh, screens as well um, in regards to the passing game. So not much in the middle, but um, Ricky Johns was called out for his performance in the spring game uh, and his ability to catch the ball in traffic while Tevin Bush was used frequently um, on jet sweeps. And he also had 44 yards receiving. And one more guy that uh, kind of stood out, uh, TJ Simmons also shined at receiver with uh, a 60 yard touchdown reception. So um, the defense obviously really shined on this one. Uh, coming with uh, Neil Brown uh, coming into uh, coach for the Mountaineers is expected to be a little bit of a drop off at uh, offense compared to what they had under Dana Holgerson. Uh, but that defense looks to be much improved for West Virginia moving into 2019. Yeah. And my big question on offense is who are they going to throw to? You mentioned Simmons and you mentioned, um, you know, a couple other guys, but you know, they lost David Sills, Gary Jennings, um, and then recently, Marcus Sims put his name in the transfer portal. So there's your top three receivers from last year. 
Um, yeah. Tight end Giovanni right. Haskins is going to be a guy that I think is going to be utilized more. And I like the fact that, excuse me, that they converted Tevin Bush to that inside receiver, that slot receiver position, mm-hmm. because I think their running back room is is pretty stacked. Kennedy McCoy, Martel Petway, uh, or yep. Martel Petway, and then Letty Brown. I think those are three good backs that you can rely on. And, you know, Austin Kendall just needs to be solid at quarterback and make the, you know, the safe throws that he needs to. I don't, I don't know that many people are relying on this West Virginia team to be what they've been the last couple of years. I think it's going to be a step back, you know, still a bowl team, but maybe I wouldn't expect more than seven, eight wins top from this group. But if they can get play out of these receivers who really have not gotten experience in, in Morgantown, I think that that's going to be a plus for them. Yeah. And that, and that Marcus Sims, I thought that that kind of came out of the blue just from the outside looking in, but digging a little deeper, he wasn't at any of the spring practices as he was said to be have been uh, dealing with a personal issue, but it sounded like they, the coaching staff were pushing for different receivers to take that lead role uh, after losing David Sills and Gary Jennings. So I'm sure that had part of it, but yeah, sure. you're right. They, they look to be pretty thin at wide receiver, both from a, a potential talent standpoint and obviously from a, an, an experience or in a production standpoint, Chappy. Yep. All right. Well, let's go out to Waco and take a look at the Baylor bears. So starting on offense, the quarterbacks, uh, unlike most spring uh, teams have been live most of the spring, except of course, for starter, Andrew Brewer, um, or I'm sorry, Charlie Brewer. And and that's because Matt rule says, we know what we're going to get out of Charlie. Um, we were set on that, but he wanted to get his inexperienced quarterbacks, the feel of the game and said, you know, injuries are part of the game and whether they get injured in the spring or whether they get injured in the fall, we'd rather almost that they would get injured in the spring and they have time to heal, but more so that they're mentally and physically prepared for what the, the physicality of the college game and the speed of the college game looks like without whistles blowing, you know, five yards downfield. Um, so in that sense, freshman Jacob Zeno, who's an early enrollee, looked pretty good with uh, some pretty good mobility. Backup Gary Bohannon also has thrown the ball pretty nicely. Um, going to the running back position, it's interesting here because John Lovett was their leading is their leading returning rusher, but many think that he's going to move to safety because of the fact that they've got some other guys who can play the position. So Jamichael Hasty, um, Treston Ebner, Craig Squirrel Williams, and that's a name uh, to watch out for, but also another cool nickname. So with uh, Smoochie Wallace, let's watch out for Squirrel Williams out in Baylor. Um, <laughs> another guy to keep out for is Abraham Smith, who was – there were some pretty good things expected of him last year, but he suffered a knee injury early in the season, redshirted, and looks to be heavily involved this year. He's a tough physical downhill runner. Looks like he's got all the tools and, and the fact that he runs hard, he's good in pass protection, he's got good hands out of the backfield, and he can go between the tackles. So he's not somebody who needs to run to the outside or is just a jet sweep or a toss type player. Um, at receiver, Josh Fleeks has made some bigger plays downfield. As well, our fellow wide receiver Jackson Gleason has also done some good things at that position and is the fastest guy in the room with 4-3 speed. Chris Platt and Tyquan Thornton are the big playmakers along with Denzel Mims. So those will be the three headliners at that wide receiver spot. But Josh Fleeks is a guy who gives them added depth. I think this is another group where this will be a set of receivers that are going to make a name for themselves. And you're probably going to look at four or five guys with close to 20 receptions as Matt Rule in this offense, and, and Charlie Brewer is a smart enough quarterback to spread things around and get everybody involved. Tight end Christoph Henley uh, has been getting more involved in the passing game. Last year, he was kind of more used as a blocker, but um, they've been throwing the ball to him more frequently in the spring, so look for added production from this tight end spot. Redshirt freshman Ben Sims and sophomores Tyler Henderson and, and freshman Sam Snyder will also get in the mix. The offensive line has started to gel um, in the run game, and they've been working in sync, which is always good to see. 
Um, the problem that they face, though, is they still need some um, improvement in the pass protection part of the uh, system. So it sounds like they've got some depth. Matt Rule says that they've got about eight to ten guys who could plug in and play without joke. Um, one of the guys that's that's coming in and going to add some valuable time this year, maybe even all Big 12 honors, is Clemson transfer Jake Frumorgan. Now, the six foot six, two hundred ninety three pound German um, can play at both center and tackle. So um, he won the most improved player this spring on offense. Um, senior Sam Tecklenburg, who uh, has played center, can also give him some spell at right guard if Frumorgan can fill in at his center position. So Tecklenburg really is their best offensive lineman, and they would like to move him to a guard position where he can move out, he can pull. And if they can get solid play out of Clemson transfer Frumorgan, then that's a big plus for this uh, Baylor offensive front. Giancarlo Valentin has worked at left guard while Connor Galvin has moved over to right tackle, um, giving him a, a bit more beef. And, and Galvin in particular has gotten a lot stronger in the weight room this offseason. So look out for them as well as Juco transfer offensive guard Blake Bedier to fit in somewhere as well. So like I said, about 8 to 10 deep on that offensive front. And that's really good, especially in that Texas heat. When you're going through Big 12 play, if you get you know some fatigue or if you get some uh, bangs and bruises on that offensive line, knowing that you got quality guys that you can step and fill in uh, is, is definitely a bonus. So any thoughts on offense before we switch to DBIP? I'm with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this, this receiving group uh, Denzel Mims and Tyquan Thornton in particular. I think that uh, combined with uh, Charlie Brewer this year, that could be a high flying Baylor offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now defensively uh, defensive guru, Phil Snow is making a big push for his, uh, defense to be a difference-making unit this season, especially or namely by committing turn or creating turnovers um, and takeaways. Defensive line is trying to become more aggressive and, quote, violent. Uh, there's been bigger emphasis on using their hands and being uh, more violent at the point of attack. Senior defensive end James Lockhart won the most improved player on defense this spring. Uh, he's been working on playing lower and using his hands more. Junior college transfer Niadre Zuzua, um, has shown good speed and a non-stop motor that gives a good pass rush specialist to this defensive front. Also throw in freshman TJ Franklin, who's learning the trades. Redshirt freshman defensive tackle Margie Smith has shown explosiveness in that well-running motor as well. So this defensive front has has really been taught and coached on going whistle to whistle, and, and they put a big emphasis on, again, explosion with their hands, firing out of a stance, but more so uh, making sure that your your motor is going and you've got high energy. And if you're going to stop at any point, you're not going to play on that de- on this defensive line. Um, linebackers need to get better. Um, they were saying, or they were quoted as saying that we can never be satisfied with being just good enough. Now they've got an all-American type linebacker and middle guy, Clay Johnston. He's really good. He's an all-Big 12 type linebacker, um, considered to be one of the hardest hitters in the conference. He's going to be teaming up with outside linebackers Jordan Williams and Blake Lynch, who will also return. Early enrollee freshman Solomon Turner has made his presence no showing good ball skills, and he's fast with good instincts, according to defensive coaches, but he does need to build up his physicality. So he's a guy who's got good instincts to the ball, but again, playing that linebacker spot, especially in the Big 12, you've got to be uh, you know, a little bit tougher than the next guy and, and show your brute strength. In the secondary corner, Kalon Barnes is a former wide receiver and a track team member. So he uh, was splitting time with the track team this spring. So he didn't get as many football reps as he wanted to, but it's nice knowing that you've got a track runner and we know that Baylor's got one of the top track programs in the country. So he can run well and is going to be a a good guy to cover some of those 
Big 12 receiver. So I'm interested to see how he matches up with the likes of some of those Oklahoma wide receivers. Um, and then finally, um, Matt Rule has made it a point to encourage his players to take risks and make mistakes this spring and summer, which I think is pretty and a pretty interesting take. A lot of times these coaches get a little bit too aggressive and a little bit too caught up on production and you know what things look like in the spring as opposed to using it as a time to teach and to encourage you know expanding and and getting your players familiar and, and comfortable with making mistakes. So that way it's better to make that mistake now and make it a couple times. You shore it up, you fix it over the summer and then the fall, and then come, you know, the months of September, October, and November when it counts, those mistakes are, are hopefully um, rid of. So that's the Baylor Bears bit. Yeah, and it's good that they're emphasizing uh, turnovers in practice because they only had 12 total all year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so a that's big reason that- why. Exactly. And that's something that has to change for sure. Um, I'm excited about their defensive line this year with everyone that they have coming back uh, along there. So um, I see uh, some potential improvement for Baylor, especially if they can get the turnovers going, which, uh, you know, year over year, um, you expect that 12 turnovers should turn into more than that uh, going into 2019. But also, you know, obviously never something that you want to assume that you're going to have more of because uh, it could as just as easily go the other way for them. Sure, sure. So taking it back for my uh, last team here, we're going to go with the Kansas Jayhawks. And um, leading up to the spring game, there was potentially more talk about what happened after the game as opposed to what was going into the game as Les Miles got Rick Ross to perform uh, after the uh, the spring game happened to try and encourage more uh, fans to come out to watch the actual game. Right. Um, but uh, on the field, the Jayhawks are... Uh, looking to have a lot of talent in the backfield. And uh, Dom Williams was really impressive in the spring game. Uh, he had a really impressive uh, touchdown run of over 50 yards, uh, but he could be the third best running back this year with Puka Williams, who may or may not be available for the Jayhawks, but uh, also Khalil Herbert uh, being potentially in front of Dom Williams. And they also have an incoming freshman, Amari Pasek Hickson, who could potentially be in the mix as well. And he was thought to be a potential mix, uh, Michigan commit uh, in the back er, er, at running back, but uh, committed to the Jayhawks uh, at the last second. So they have him coming in as well. So they could have um, a good amount of uh, guys that can run the football really effectively for them, which as we know, in a less miles offense is going to be really imperative. Um, speaking of newcomers being in the mix, six, four Juco receiver Ezra Naylor, mm-hmm. uh, made plays throughout the spring game and could be a favorite target, uh, this year of Thomas McVitie. Um, and, and speaking of McVitie, the, the pit transfer, um, is a six, five pro style quarterback, but he's really got some wheels on him enough speed that he actually played on the punt return team for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And in the spring game, he had a 26 yard scramble up the middle showing, um, uh, that he's got uh, some mobility about him, but he also showed some of his ups and downs that he could have uh, that he possesses at a, as a passer. So um, offensively, I think it's really going to just be dependent on if and how many games Puka Williams gets suspended mm-hmm. for as, you know, once again, they're going to live and die off of him if and when he's inserted into the lineup. So getting uh, some production from McVitie and from Ezra Naylor uh, and company, and then how well the uh, the running backs like uh, Khalil Herbert and Don Williams can pick up the slack for Puka while he's out uh, will be imperative for them this year. Defensively, um, at safety, Devon Ferguson has really been impressive this spring. 
in the spring game, he had an interception that he returned for 73 yards um, and scored on that one. But um, he might not even be expected to start this year as they return uh, seniors Bryce Tornaden and, or I'm sorry, Tornaden and uh, Mike Lee. So Ferguson gives them some really good depth and uh, a nice injury replacement if uh, uh, injury should spell um, their two starters in front of him. So combining that group with uh, Corian Harris and Hassan defense uh, also returning the, the secondary should be the unquestioned top unit of that entire Jayhawk defense. Uh, The tough thing for the Jayhawks though, is that uh, there's questions surrounding just about every other position on that side of the ball. So um, could be another tough sledding year, but uh, with uh, less miles coming in, you figure that they should be a more physical team. And, um, you know, if they can get uh, some some decent production on offense and have uh, their front seven play reasonably to the level that the secondary is expected to, things could uh, turn around a little faster than what people assume um, for the Jayhawks this year, Chappie. Yeah, and I really like that secondary, especially given that Ferguson gives them a fifth defensive back. Um, you know, that's uh, that's going to be their strength. And they lose so many guys in that front seven, especially Joe Deneen, who had like uh, mm-hmm. 942 tackles last season. Um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, on offense, I do like McVitie. I like Ezra Naylor as a, as a big target for him to throw to. Um, and gosh, if they if Puka Williams can play for the majority of that season, especially in the Big 12 part of the season, I think that mm-hmm. a, a less miles coach team is going to, um, you know, really challenge some opponents. And, and I know that there's some people who are saying or fearing that uh, the game has passed miles by and he really stepped into a situation that's uh, almost a no-win situation. But, you know, I look at it as he's got really nothing to lose. And so, um, you know, that, yeah. that kind of can play into your strength, especially for someone like the Mad Hatter, um, who is kind of, you know, unconventional and and is is going to do what it takes to, to promote uh, winning in his program. And, you know, keep in mind that he was at Oklahoma state when they were not the best of situation. Granted, they were better than Kansas Mm -hmm. was, um, but it wasn't the Oklahoma state that you see now. He kind of got that program rolling and then insert uh, T Boone Pickens and then Mike Gundy. And then they took it to the next level, but you know, credit miles for doing that. So he's familiar with this area. He's familiar with this type of um, atmosphere that, uh, that he's coming into. And, and he's a smart guy. He wouldn't have taken it if he didn't see, some sort of potential there and and kudos to David Beatty for for getting this program on the rise last season and, and kind of setting them up um, for at least some potential in 2019. Yeah, especially on the recruiting front, Kansas has recruited much better than years past oh, yeah. in the past uh, two, three seasons. So it's not as if Les Miles is going to be dealing with a complete empty cupboard right. uh, like David Beatty stepped into when he took over the job uh, a few years ago. Right. Well, let's go to the other side of the Sunflower State and look at Manhattan, Kansas um, for the Kansas State J or oh, my God, I'm going to have I'm going to have daggers thrown at me. The Kansas State Wildcats. You would think that that's a nickname that I would know uh, just by heart anyway. But um, (laughs) that's right. So offense, there's been a bigger learning curve than the defense. Some guys have transitioned into different roles and some are still transitioning, even at the same position, getting used to this new Chris Kleeman um, style offense. So. At quarterback, Skylar Thompson looks to be the starter, unquestioned going forward. He looked comfortable and confident, really looks like a Big 12 quarterback. Um, but there's a lot of concern behind them. There was, there's very little experience. The same can be said at the running back position. Even though they get transfer, Ball State transfer James Gilbert, um, he appears to be the guy right now, but that's really because of 
no other competition um, around him. He's having to replace Alex Barnes, who was a first-team All-Big 12 running back. Um, Harry Trotter and Tyler Burns are behind Gilbert, but again, nobody is shown to be a game-breaking back for the Big 12. So Gilbert's not exactly somebody who strikes a lot of fear in Big 12 defenses, but God forbid he goes down. Um, there's a lot of questions in that Kansas State run game, so it might be a year to break in some of those uh, recruits that Kleeman was able to bring in and and get them going and and start to uh, to mold them into the future. Um, wide receiver looked good up until Hunter Risen was arrested and suspended indefinitely this offseason, um, which is really a shame for Kansas State because he looked to be the best of the group, and there was a lot of hype around him when he was enrolled at Michigan State, decided to transfer, sat out last year, practiced with the team, a lot of good things going forward, and then he steps into this legal mess in the offseason. Um, mm-hmm. Redshirt freshman walk-on Seth Porter has impressed. They say he's a good uh, route runner who's quick, um, has been catching everything thrown his way, whether it's in or out of comfortable reach. Um, and we can expect a lot of slant routes run by this group. So again, as this offense is breaking in and as they're trying to establish their run game, the best complement in the passing game to a, a solid run game are those three-step slant routes. So expect a lot of that. Joaquin Gill and Malik Knowles have continued their strong end of the last season by having an even better spring. And really their top receiver now that Ryzen is out, Isaiah Zuber, who um, showed some flashes last year, has been out with an offseason surgery. So he's still recovering. Looks to be good by the fall, though. Tight end Sammy Wheeler, who's a former quarterback converted over to tight end, looks to be a contributor in the passing game. And Kansas State says that they're going to try and get these tight ends a little bit more involved than what they were under the most recent Bill Snyder regime. And then offensive line, um, they're still working with um, some of the guys there. They only lose two starters, but they're two good ones. Um, headlined by Dalton Risner, their right tackle, and then also left guard um, Abdul Beecham. So um, three new starters or two new starters on that offensive front. So we'll we'll pay attention to see how that goes. Defensively, they're likely to run a 4-2-5 defense with new coordinator Scotty Hazelton, who comes over from Wyoming. The defensive line looks solid with three of their four starters coming back. Joe Davies and Jordan Mitty will be competing for a defensive tackle spot opposite Trey Deshaun. We already talked about Wyatt Huber and Reggie Walker. Um, Walker being our um, unsung hero and our off-the-radar guy when we did our Big 12 review this season. Um, That's right. Linebacker Justin Hughes has been lost for the season with an ACL injury, and that's a big blow to this defensive um, linebacking group. Elijah Sullivan and Daquan Daquan Patton are the starters for right now in that two-linebacker scheme, Uh, but there's a big gap between those two at the number one spot and their number twos, and and even more so with their number threes. Cornerback A.J. Parker has looked good, as well as Walter Neal Jr. to play the role of that nickel corner position, but this unit still appears weak, and injuries have really depleted them. Um, Daryl Patterson has been used almost exclusively as a corner, but they've also dropped him back to play a deep safety and a three deep look when they play this four, two, five. So for those who are unfamiliar, essentially you've got, um, two corners and a true safety in the middle. And then you've got two outside safeties, which are really that hybrid outside linebacker, strong safety type, um, similar to what TCU likes to run. Um, Speaking of safeties, Denzel Goolsby and Juco transfer Jonathan Alexander have both looked good. Um, Expect Alexander to be somebody who challenges for all Big 12 honors this year. He was a um, a highly touted recruit. I think he was actually one of their top recruits coming in in this class. Um, So this should be the strength of their defense, their safeties. Redshirt freshman safety Wayne Jones has also been a beast. Um, And like we said, they're likely to play five defensive backs um, and give that three safety look as opposed to the traditional 4-3 that um, that Kansas State was used to playing. 
Yeah, and um, I, I'm with you. That this uh, whoever comes out of this uh, running back group, the the might not provide Kansas State with enough as, as their their top le- returning running back, uh, Dalvin Warmack, only rushed for 144 yards last year. Uh, no one outside of Alex Barnes rushed for over four yards per carry. And uh, as as you mentioned, the uh, uh, could be tough sledding for them, but I, I do like their group of receivers. I think that they'll be a little better than what people might expect. And uh, defensively, they do have uh, some nice returning uh, talent. As you mentioned, Reggie Walker, um, our favorite from last year from this uh, Kansas State squad. Curious to see what uh, mm-hmm. Chris Kleeman does in his first year in Manhattan, as it's a tough place to win, especially uh, um you know, coming in and taking over for filling the huge shoes that he will be filling. Uh, but we know he did uh, an outstanding job um, in his previous stop at North Dakota State. So um curious to see what this his first stop is. Are they um, are they an improvement from the five and seven or do they get closer to uh, the Kansas Jayhawks and kind of uh, uh, is, is it more rough sledding in his first year um, that, than not? Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I heard an interesting take from another podcast. So, you know, they're comparing Chris Kleeman to Craig Bull, who is a fair comparison because Bull was at North Dakota before he went out to the uh, Division One route and is the current coach at the Wyoming at Wyoming University. Yep. Um, you know, at North Dakota State, he went 104 and 32, which included a combined um 43 and two record in his last three seasons, all of which were um, division or FCS uh, national championships at Wyoming. He is currently 28 and 35. So um, just because you're a winner consistently and you've won championship after championship after championship at the FCS Mm -hmm. level, which some consider um, not too far off from some of these uh, group of five teams um, in, in uh, division one, so, you know, that begs the question of is is Kleeman going to fall into the same route? And obviously the Big 12 is bigger potatoes than the Mountain West Conference. So if Craig Bowl, the legendary Craig Bowl from North Dakota State, um, has really kind of stumbled, he's he's won eight games twice, but he went four and eight in his first season, two and ten in his second season, followed up with eight and six, eight and five, and then last season dipped back down to six and six. Um I wouldn't expect too much out of Kleeman for your first year, Kansas State fans. And if you're Chris Kleeman, you're kind of going to take these first two years to build that foundation. And if you win just, you know, two, three, four games for those first couple of seasons, it's okay. Be patient. Time will hopefully um, get you in the position where you want to be. But obviously a, a, a bigger hill to climb for Kleeman than than Bowl had at uh, at Wyoming. Yeah, and like we, like we mentioned, if he can tap into that JUCO market that's so rich around the uh, the middle of the country mm-hmm. in the states like Iowa and Kansas, that'll be a huge step for him. But uh, it's anyone's guess how he will take to recruiting, as I'm sure it's a completely different animal in uh, Division One compared to the FCS. Right, for sure. Well, Bip, uh, three Power Five conferences down, two more to go. We're getting re- we're getting there, buddy. Only 94 days, right. like I said, until the season kicks off. And still, we have so much left to cover, but that's what defines a passion, right? That's right. And before we know it, the season will be here, and I can't wait. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's, it's the countdown still seems a long way to go. But, you know, what's wonderful is we started to see this week the uh, magazine shelves are being scattered with the uh, Athlon and Lindy's and all of those other preseason magazines. 
Still not our favorite Phil Steele yet. That's coming out, I believe, in um, you know early June or mid June, and that's what I set my watch to every year. But I do like you know perusing through those magazines. It, it's a sign that you know it's just right around the corner. It's almost like you know for those who are big on Christmas, it's like we've entered the month of uh, you know we're almost at Halloween now, and then you got Thanksgiving coming up, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the most wonderful time of the year is here, Bip. So, and right. and unlike Christmas, it's not just one day or two weeks of a season, it's four, five wonderful months of nothing but just soaking it in, talking it up and building up that tolerance and, and that uh, wife equity on the other uh, six days of the week to make sure that you um, can, can continue your passion. Yes, sir. So um, thanks again for listening. Sign up if you haven't already and listen to the newest cast as they upload right to your device. And by that, we mean subscribe to us. Two a week is typically our average, and again, the best thanks and praise we can receive is by you sharing and spreading the good word to continue to make a bowl full of chips, the best-growing college football podcast out there. Remember, you can also interact with us on Twitter and give us a piece of your mind. That's the end of the line. I'm Chappie. I am Bip. We thank you, and we're prepping for the next time we meet when we break down the ACC spring reports from all 14 teams along the East Coast. So for my co-host, Mr. Bip12, I'm Cowboy Chaps. And remember, when in a football lapse, BFC is the haps. No gaps, only good coming from our traps. See you, everybody. This cast is scraps. <laughs>